welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Hello, folks. Welcome to the live edition of the 1% Better Podcast. And I am, it's, what time is it around now? 20 past eight on a Tuesday evening or or 20 past three p.m., uh, in Eastern Standard Time where my guest is uh, today, this evening and um, delighted to be getting the show kicked off probably a little bit later than expected and it, as I said it's one of the first times doing this properly live so there could be some technical issues hopefully my guest on the other side can actually hear me he's nodding and that's a good sign so I'd like to introduce Jeff Bogazic Jeff, welcome to the show Rob, thank you. It's a great pleasure to be here and I appreciate the time. No, it's great to have you on to the show and I'm definitely, uh, you know, hopeful that it's actually been audible for other people right now. But hey, at, at least we're recording it. I can always put it out uh, in, a, in an on-demand podcast afterwards. So, Jeff, it was great chatting to you even before we hit off on, on the, the live button here. We both have podcasts and we've both been sharing stories around, I guess, the... Uh, the enjoyment, fulfillment and fun that we've had from them over the last year and a half or so. Where did um, where did your idea for the podcast come from? Well, um, that's a great question. So for me, um, I guess it was about, I don't know, maybe two years ago where I started looking into um, better, better ways for me to learn. I'm big. I'm a big I'm big on education um, that's something big for me. Reading is a big thing for me. And I had listened to podcasts, I don't know, several years ago, but not with really much enthusiasm. And then I started, uh, I, I heard one podcast by a guy, his name was Nick Loper. Um, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he does the smart passive income. Oh yeah. Oh, oh no, that was Pat. That's, that's Pat, Pat Flynn. Flynn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that one. He does, uh, the side hustle show, the side hustle show. Okay. And uh, so I just started listening to his program, and I learned a ton. Hmm. I mean, I listened to him, then I heard about Pat Flynn. I listened to Pat. I heard about John Lee Dumas, uh, Entrepreneurs on Fire. I Hmm. started listening to him, Amy Porterfield. I started listening to her. And, you know, there's kind of this, like, I don't know, community of people. Mm -hmm. And I just started listening to those. I I wanted to learn more about digital marketing. I wanted to learn more about online business and things like that. And, you know, through that whole experience, I I learned a ton. And then I thought, you know what? I think it would be great for me to do a podcast about something that I'm passionate about, which is helping people, Mm -hmm. right, to become better, to improve themselves and, um, you know, the, bi- the big thing for me, uh, my podcast is called the mind for life podcast. And the big thing for me is, um, that we improve ourselves most when we look at the ways in which we think. And so, uh, for me, like our perceptions of reality really affect our actual lived reality, our lived experience. And so, I was like, this is important to me, you know, and, and, and I wanted to be able to share that and uh, started talking with some other people, invited some guests. And as I mentioned to you, it's been a great, great learning experience for me, hmm. having the opportunity to talk to other people such as yourself that are interested in the same things and had, and that have some expertise in some areas. So it was, a, it was a win-win. I felt like it was a win situation for me and it was a win situation for my audience. So that's kind of how I got started and, you know, what the passion was that birthed the entire thing. Hmm. I, I was smiling for pretty much all of that, laughing to myself almost that I, I was kind of saying, were you kind of reading my mind? And I, I've actually wrote a few blogs about my own journey and how it, how it started. And it's pretty much identical. I'm just actually sharing something out on Facebook here just to make sure that, uh, our our live stream is going out there. Um, no, totally. I I remember my first podcast that that I listened to, and probably like you, I heard of these things called podcasts for a while and didn't really get the concept. And then um, right. I do a lot of running, and I used to listen to a lot of music running, but it was kind of getting a bit boring. And the the podcast uh, stuff you should know, you know that one, the two guys from Atlanta. Um, I, yeah, no, I think I've heard of that. I haven't. I can't say that I've listened to it, but yeah. Yeah, I think they've actually hit the first 
billion downloaded podcast of, of since it came out. They've over a thousand okay. episodes, but it was those guys, and uh, it it was forty minute podcast about a topic. And they would just talk about it. So like the Berlin Wall was the one that stands out for me. And they just explained all about it. So I would learn so much in that short space of time for my run. Generally, the run wouldn't be that long. And I come back like I'd be getting feeling physically fitter. And my brain would be getting nourished with stuff. And it was like this. This is amazing. You know, and then I found five or six or others. And over the course of the next few years, kind of, uh, I think it transformed me in so many ways. I I can't, you know, can't explain why. Because even listening to, you have probably listened to Tim Ferriss a good bit, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah. And through through Tim Ferriss, they talked, he talked about meditation an awful lot to to all the guests. And most of them had a meditation practice. So I took some of the tips out of that and started to do that myself. And, uh, And that helped me kind of get a good foundation in just maybe figuring out an awful lot about myself and then you know built on it so yeah i don't bang on all about about that but it uh it's certainly a similar parallel and and to your point you get to a point then you feel like you want to give something back to the podcast world and those that listen and and that's obviously what you what you did so mind for life that's the name of the podcast you're 18 months or so in at the very outset, you had a, a a vision for what that was going to be about. Maybe talk to me a bit about that. Yeah. So one of the things that is always been like a question for me or, you know, of interest is uh, the idea of success, personal improvement, personal development. Um, I remember, you know, 10, 15 years ago going to hear like Zig Ziglar, hmm. you know, and these guys talk about success and you would go and sit in those, you know, audiences and hear them talk about, you know, the things that, that they did to be able to achieve these areas of success. And so the question for me kind of became, you know, what exactly is success in other words, you know, we have this word and we, we all, when we say it, we all mean something just a little bit different. You know, we we have similar ideas of what it means, but for all of us, it's a little bit different. So it, for me, it was like, what is that? And then what it, what prevents so many people from achieving that in their own life? What, what holds us back? Mm-hmm. And um, so part of my... I guess you could say my formal education is uh, is in rhetoric. I have a PhD in rhetoric, and that deals with communication. It deals with interpersonal communication, organizational communication, and really human communication. Language is what they call a medium. You know, it's something mm-hmm. that comes between us and our own thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so, thinking uh, is really having a conversation with yourself. You know, when you think you're really speaking to yourself and in that instance, our vocabulary is important. You know, the words that we have, what we say, what we mean. Um, and, and so, you know, th- that type of thought, when I learned that it was just kind of like, you know, maybe we can help people by fixing some of the things that are so destructive. Um, I heard a professor say once that our minds can only consciously be aware of five to six things per second. Um, so, for example, uh, there's all kind of external stimuli that's happening to our body that our brains are processing every second of every day. And we can only be consciously aware of it. That means we can only like attend to it and make a decision about it. Uh, we're very limited in what we can do. So, so what that means is for a lot of our life, our brains are just operating on autopilot. Mm -hmm. They're making decisions based on the way they've quote unquote been programmed. Um, and I don't necessarily like to use the computer analogy when we talk about our brains, because I believe they're quite different, but our, our, our environment, our past, our histories, the people that we've met, the words that have come in, the language that we've adopted, all contributes to the way that our brains make decisions. And sometimes we make decisions and we're not even aware of them. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, I believe, the decisions that are destructive in our life, 
the decisions that we make that really lead to bad outcomes are done on autopilot without us thinking based on past conditioning, if you will. And so my thought was, how can we help people to become aware of what's going on in their brain, what's going on neurologically, if you will, to enable them to then be able to make changes. So for me, like the first step in any type of self-improvement or any type of bettering of yourself is to start to become aware of and understand what's actually going on when you're making decisions, how it's happening, that it's happening for the most part uh, beyond your conscious awareness. So becoming conscious of that and then taking you know intentional steps to be able to do things different and be able to change. And so, you know, that was basically the, the idea that started everything for me, you know, was how can we help people to develop a mind for life? How can we help people to think, learn and live a better life? And so that, that's kind of the, uh, I guess you could say the, the shortened version of, of, of the reasoning behind what I'm doing in that podcast. Mm. And I know before you released the podcast, you you do a lot of blogging, you do a lot of writing as well. Was the, mm-hmm. the topic pretty much the same of what you were writing about predominantly as well? Yeah, in some senses it was. In other senses, it was uh, things that I'm passionate about. So some of some of my blogs deal with personal improvement. Some of them probably the 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 most popular. Uh, on my blogs have to deal with the 52 essential skills for success in life and business. Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't know what I did, but I did something to be able to rank really high in Google for skills for success. So if you look for skills for success or skills for success in life and you Google that, Mm -hmm. uh, my article on the 52 essential skills is, is up there pretty high. So, um, that kind of was like, what got me started and that's kind of like what I enjoy writing on. I do understand the idea that our intelligence is important, but there's other skills I think that are have been traditionally called the soft skills, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh how you relate to people. Uh so I don't I don't like the term soft skills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounds like oh they're soft, you don't really need them. And I think they're essential. And in fact, I think your success in life, and that doesn't just mean how much money you make or what kind of job you have. It means how good are your relationships with other people? How do you get along with your family, friends? How do you do well at work? You know, the skills that are necessary for that have to do with things like how you communicate, uh, how you are emotionally intelligent, um, how you are productive, how you delegate, and all of those things. So that, that's kind of what I enjoy writing on. And I've been in this series on the skills for success over the year. And I've kind of like taken a bit of a summer vacation here uh, on that. But th- that that's important to me. Um, what can I do to help people become better? And I want to write about those things and, you know, hopefully give some pointers or hopefully give some advice or wisdom on things that they may be able to do practically mm-hmm. to develop those 52 skills. And uh, there's one for each week, so we kind of work on one each week. Mm. And um, I, I'll try to um, get a bunch of resources on that skill and put them out there for people to be able to look at it and then write a blog on it, do a podcast, hopefully interview an expert mm. on one of those skills for success. So uh, that, that's kind of what my blogging has entailed. And, and I've been fortunate to find, you know, I wouldn't say I'm, you know, incredibly successful if you want to determine it that way, you know, but for me, if I can help one person or if somebody reads an article and says, I really enjoyed this, you know, I consider that a success. It's, it wouldn't be commercial success that I'm getting paid millions of dollars or that somebody's publishing a book of mine or anything like mm-hmm. that. But that people read my articles and say, boy, that was meaningful. I appreciate you uh, sharing that. Hmm. Yep. I totally, totally get it. And EQ or emotional intelligence, something I'm very passionate about, um, do coaching in, in, in my job and in, in what, what I'm hoping to, you know, continue to do. And the area of, it ties into what you're talking about, knowing thyself or, or know yourself, right? So fully right. get a good grasp of who you are probably before you can, um, be successful or I don't know, probably able to deal with other people that, that well 
was there any key tip or, or key practice or, or approach that you would you would um, always talk about for for folks for them first of all to really start to figuring out who, who they are what their their self is all about yeah i think the first step is is what i would call reflection so let me give you an example when things go bad in our lives um most of us are not of the type that would sit back and ask the question why you know when things go bad in our life we don't want to look back and we don't usually examine and go why did that not work out and the second part of that is most of us are more apt to blame external circumstances for the bad outcomes in our lives uh, so oh that person did that to me or oh this person didn't do what I asked them to do and when we when we de and and those are kind of default behaviors you know mm-hmm. we're we're kind of like trained to uh blame someone else and i think it starts in childhood you know when someone says did you take the candy and you say no he did it or no she did it mm-hmm. you know, we're just kind of kind of conditioned to not want to accept responsibility for the bad things that happen to us sometimes bad things happen and there's nothing we can do but a lot of the negative outcomes in our life come based on negative choices that we have so the first step is to reflect, uh, and and that's really an active um, endeavor. You have to sit back and ask yourself the question, why did this happen, and what did I do? And then you have to really kind of start to unpack your thinking process and and decisions that you made that you're probably not aware of. You know, the way that you treated someone may have caused them to do something and you didn't realize that you treated them in a way or that you caused them to be defensers or you hurt them in a way that they wanted to get back at you or something like that. Or you didn't pay them attention or you didn't respect them or something like that. And all of a sudden this dynamic takes place and you start to just blame the other person. Why are they doing this to me? Why are they doing this to me? Instead of saying, what am I doing to them? How am I acting that's causing them to do that? So the first step is to find a way and, – and I'm going to be honest with you, Rob. I, I don't know that there's an easy way to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know that there's a technique or something. But some people I think are – can develop the sense of curiosity that they look in they, – they can look inside of themselves and say, what did I do here? What did I not do here? How did I contribute to this failure and and really be willing to take responsibility for their own actions and what they did? And maybe it's not their fault in the sense that they intentionally did it, but it's something that happened as a result of the way that their brains have operated for all of their life. So let me give you an example. Um, the way that we handle conflict in our relationships, right? Conflict is usually something that happens – that uh, results in negative outcomes if we don't handle it well. In other words, we get in fights with people, our interpersonal relationships are damaged, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. The way that we handle conflict is primarily uh, formed by our families. So by your, by your parents. Uh, If you grew up in a family where, where dad was mad and every time dad got mad, he started slamming doors and mom would just be like, okay, everybody keep quiet, keep quiet and let's all go in our rooms and kind of like don't say anything. That's really a dysfunctional way to handle conflict or somebody was aggressive or you learned to be assertive instead of learning to be collaborative or something like that. And and you don't realize that you're learning to do that. It's just something that happens. Uh, and then when you get later in life, instead of allowing conflict to be a catalyst in your relationships to move you on to greater intimacy, to better relationships. You just kind of like smooth it or you avoid it or you don't see anything and then the relationship kind of stagnates. And that's just something that happens default. It's just a default based on something that you learned in the past. And so the first step there is to try to ask yourself, why am I doing this? Why am I avoiding this? And then try to make some intentional steps. So the first step is reflection. Unfortunately, Hmm. uh, it's not that easy to do. And there's no real, I don't think there's a shortcut. Yeah. No, getting there. No, definitely no shortcut. And I think what you're saying is, is, is accurate from my perspective as well, that it's, it's a practice, you know, you have to practice reflection. You have to practice that taking the step back, 
even if it is uncomfortable for for however long uh, because sometimes you know taking that step back and seeing for things for what they really are isn't uh, isn't the most pleasant view uh, and and then over time you, you get into it like everything i think that makes you better it, it generally is a practice uh of day by day week by week to to your point like you know 50 weeks 52 weeks in a year and take something and work on it probably not just for a week but for maybe three weeks or four weeks or, or whatever till it becomes a habit um so i would totally agree with that and it's funny when i started doing podcasting and interviewed people i don't i don't think i had the belief that there was quick fixes or, or life hacks I, i'm not too big on that term that it right. you know you can shortcut um and and get get better you know i'm calling it one percent better to show rather than 50 percent better after doing one thing you know so it, it is a uh, incremental improvements and it's consistent that all these people I've talked to that have reflected, that have looked at themselves, that have studied an area and have gone through pain and suffering, and I think as an essential to get to a better place, have um, have said, "Yeah, there's no shortcuts here," and you know, don't 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 uh, expect that to be the case. N- not just for stuff in their own life, but uh, one of the guys I interviewed early on in the podcast, he's. He's, he, he does a football soccer podcast, uh, Andrew Mangan is his name, and he has a million downloads a month. But he said, yeah, overnight success after 10 years because it took that right. long to build it up. So, you know. Exactly. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you know, they, you look at a lot of, a lot of people, this has even been my perception. We look at people that are successful and we go, man, there's, what, you know, I wish I could be there. But nobody wants to look at the 10 years. You know, nobody wants to look at the 15 years of writing before someone gets published. You know, mm-hmm. we just think that it should happen overnight. And it was an interesting thing that you said because you talked about, you know, the meditation aspect, even in your own journey, mm-hmm. right? That you started to think about yourself and ask yourself that question. So that was kind of like a, a, a self-reflection, would you say? Oh, absolutely. It is like that was the, the 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 kind of turning point in lots of ways that started to take a step back look at myself or, or not it's the kind of to, to your point as well it's like this kind of idea of the the meta it's a meta view of you're looking at your thoughts rather than being carried away with your thoughts and and now i even thinking about this last night i knew we were going to be talking a bit about it and you know when i meditate sometimes i i, I kind of see myself sitting you know, you hear people talking about sitting by a, the bank of a river and watching things float by. I kind of see myself right. in a movie, sc- cinema screen or um, theater, and you can see stuff coming in. And, you know, it's trying to actually just detach from it, look at the thought coming across and let it go again. Not actually in the past, absolutely be caught up with frustration or anger or, or, or you know, pain or whatever that is associated with it to it and i know i talk about this a lot and uh, people are probably listening hopefully will realize that it's not just to say it. it it is it's true but it that doesn't happen it's like a lot of people that get into meditation after a week they just stop because it's not working or something isn't right. trick tr- kicking in for them you know it's not going to it it's just keep keep with it like so um so yeah no i totally totally get it and and kind of share share kind of similar views there i'm very passionate about values as well and i know that's something you you talk about um maybe just talk a little bit about where you see values fit in and and if there's one uh like i have a few examples when i talk with people or coach people the importance of values and very few people know what their own core values are personal values work-related values um, and there's a few kind of exercises that I would do with people to try and help them think about them. Maybe talk a little bit about values and anything come up around that on, on exercises. Yeah, that's a, uh, to me, that's a big deal. Um, I believe that, you know, integrity, when we have integrity with ourselves, we live our best lives. Um, and what that means is that when when we act out and live out what we believe, um, and it's not always the easiest thing to do to be able to live out what we believe, but uh, and I also I, I also would uh, would kind of connect that to ethics and conscience and things like that. 
when we act against ourselves, when we act against our conscience, when we justify our behavior, you know, in order to get what we want or whatever, we, we hurt our character, we hurt our integrity. And I think that's detrimental and that's damaging. I've been reading um, The Brothers Karamazov by uh, Dostoevsky. I don't know if you've ever read that. No, I but heard of it. Book, in that book, he talks about what happens when a person lies to themselves. Hmm. And there's a passage in there when he says, uh, when, when you lie to yourself and you start to believe the lies that you tell yourself, there's this constant spiral downward um, that takes place in your life. And so, so to me, there's something about telling the truth, but not just telling the truth to other people, but telling the truth to ourselves. And ultimately, when we lie to someone else, we're lying to ourselves. You know, we're, when we when we when we're not honest with someone else, we're not honest with ourselves. And so that was really a striking passage to me mm. about what happens when we don't tell the truth, when we lie to ourselves, and then what happens? We start to believe those things. And then we start to ultimately live those things out. So, you know, telling the truth, honesty, ethics, uh, I think those things are important. I think there's something, if you want to say it this way, in the universe, you know, that when we start to uh, go down that path or go down that road, we hurt ourselves and we hurt, we hurt reality maybe to a certain extent. So... Uh, that, that's a big deal to me. I, I've by no means arrived, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. um, but it's constantly, you know, thinking about, am I lying to myself here? Am I being honest with myself? And listen, we all know that we live in a world where people are self promoters, you know, people say a bunch of stuff about themselves about, and, and, and in all honesty, a lot of it's not true. Uh, you know, and so for me, it's like, you know, I it, it's it's easy to point the finger at someone else and say, look at what they're doing or look mm. at what this person did. It really it's it's important for me to turn the finger around and point at myself. And, you know, I'm big on that. There's a verse in the in the Bible that says uh, before you take the log out of someone else's eye, take the speck out of your own, mm. you know, and it's easy to 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 go pointing out logs in everyone else's eyes and it's hard to look at and locate the speck in our own eye or excuse me before the the verse is before you take the speck out of someone else's eye take the log out of your own you know and it's funny how easily we overlook logs and and how quickly we can identify specks and so i guess a principle that i live i try to live my life by is Let's not worry so much about anyone else. Let me really worry about myself. Let's uh, start taking some logs out, and uh, and that's probably the best way to proceed in life. Mm. It's uh, it's funny. Again, <laughs> some parallels coming up. You mentioned John Lee Dumas, and I actually interviewed him for the 864 podcast, the kind of 15-minute one I do. Nice. Um, and, uh, you know, he's good, great with his time, and uh, he's obviously been very successful in in lots of definitions of success you know for 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 podcasting as well and um we talked about quid pro quo as something i believe in you know doing something good for you and and, and it'll come back to you or me um and we talked about you know he gets a lot of probably not hate hate mail probably is the right term you know a lot of um what trolling online and and whatnot right. because he's putting out a lot of content and I can certainly see the the perspective you see like the trying to sell really hard or whatever um and I asked him that question you know how does he deal with that and you know it he's he's he, he, he I suppose he's come to the point where he doesn't actually allow it to impact him because he can control how he feels and right. whatever is coming out back at him the problem is with that person you know the haters or the the, the naysayers or, or whatever and I notice yeah, last week even I was—I think it was sick last week—and I, you know, it would be online, and you might flick onto Twitter, and you see feeds coming in, and you see stuff coming in that doesn't seem authentic, just as trying to push something at you, and you have that 
reaction of like oh this is really you know bothering me or whatever um and and you know now i guess through through meditation and that creating a space of, of of being aware of that thought not reacting on it taking a step back and you know letting it go letting it pass away is is i guess taking that log out of my own eye and not kind of you know having that negative response putting negativity out there making yourself feel bad for no reason at all you know you can control how you feel whereas others probably um we can't control what they what they do so it kind of parallels to a little bit what you're saying there it's interesting yeah there you know there i was uh there's a there's a book called man's search for meaning victor frankel yeah yeah i love it so you know that story to me his story from that book is just like you know that's kind of like a, a foundation rock foundation for how i try to live and you know the point that he makes in there that you know there other people can control a lot of things about what happens in our life but they can't control our response to how those things take place and we can choose in every circumstance if we want to to respond positively to take responsibility and to act with integrity. Um, it's not always easy. Um, and there's a lot of people that are, are quick to, to, to play the victim card and to blame someone else and to, you know, lash out when the, when the haters hate to hate back. You know, I give John Lee Dumas a lot of credit for saying, look, those people are, I'm going to, I'm going to respond positively when those things come. And there's, you know, I've not that I've had a lot of, you know, trolling or anything like that. You know, I'm not, I'm nowhere near, at the level that he is when it comes to probably that type of success, if you want to call it that. But I've had people that have said bad things to me on Twitter. And usually I'm just, I just will say, Hey, I apologize. You know, no, I'm not trying to offend you and, you know, try to react positively. And, you know, some guy got on there and just, you know, one time was just like ranting and raving about me. And I just kind of said, Hey, I'm sorry. You know, that wasn't my intention. Uh, I apologize you felt that way. And the guy basically came back and said, sorry, man, I was having a bad day, (laughs) Mm, mm. you know? And so you don't know what other people are going through, you know? And so if you respond positively, I think we can, it's easy to respond. It's easy to respond hate for hate. It's easy to do that. Mm. It doesn't take anybody when someone hates on you to hate on them back. I mean, that's the easiest lowest level of response, right? The high character is to say, let me respond with character. Let me respond with integrity. Let me be responsible for me and not allow someone else in the, in the communication literature, what they, what they, they say it like is I am not going to allow someone else to dictate my agenda, my communication agenda. And so some people play those tricks in negotiations or in conflict situations. Uh, they will attack and they will, you know, straw man arguments and things like that in order to get you off of your agenda. Um, and so you just can't play those games. You have to respond with integrity. And, you know, Viktor Frankl to me is like, you know, a shining example because let's be honest. For the most part, we're not sitting in, uh, not not too many of us are sitting in uh, Nazi concentration camps, mm. <laughs> right? Yeah. We're not in those situations. Now, there are some people in the world who are, and you know, we need to do everything we can to eliminate that. But for most of us, we don't have that life, and we've got it pretty good. So I think we can respond positively, and that's kind of the, the choices that I choose to make, and th- they've been beneficial. Mm. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's very true. And uh, again, numerous times the, the Victor E. Frankel book has come up. I actually, an, an episode I'm releasing in a couple of weeks, um, again, big into meditation. Have you heard of David G? He's a, he's a meditation guy on the West Coast. We write him down. He's a, he's an interesting character, and we talk. He talks about the sweet spot in the universe and the gap, and it's again a meditation kind of element. He actually worked for Deepak Chopra for a number of years in his center, okay. and um, and he his book recommendation was was um, and search for meaning as well, um, similar along similar lines. Um, just interested. You you obviously worked in the communications realm with the rhetoric, the PhD, and. You've worked with leaders, and this was leadership. Is that a, an area you've kind of had exposure to? Yep. 
Mm-hmm. When you look at your 52 characteristics or you know principles over the course of the year and and working with leaders suppose what are the 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 typical gaps you see in in the leaders you've worked with is it does it go back to them knowing themselves or or what suppose what are kind of key areas around leadership that you've focused on yeah that's a great question i had an opportunity to interview lolly daskal i don't know if you've heard of her uh, she's a Wall Street Journal bestselling author. Okay. She's a, one of the top executive coaches, C-suite executive coaches. She wrote a, her book is called The Leadership Gap. Okay. And really, her entire book is about leaders developing s- self-awareness. Mm. And 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 basically, you know, she goes back to the same thing that you just mentioned: uh, know thyself. You know, and leaders. Uh, the, the, the biggest thing that they can do to improve their leadership is to understand their gaps, understand where they lack. Um, and I personally believe that the biggest, uh, the most important skills for leaders are people skills. Mm-hmm. Um, you, as a leader, you need to know because what what is your job as a leader? Granted, you've got to forecast. Granted, you've got to be a visionary. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, as a leader, the definition of the term is that people are following you, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if in, in, there's the, there's that old quote, uh, it's something to the effect of, "He who thinks he's leading." and has no followers is just simply out taking a walk, (laughs) you know? So like learning uh, how to deal with people, how to help people to improve, what motivates people, how to communicate effectively with people, how to deal with conflict. Um, Those are, I think, the the most important skills when it comes to leadership. And usually... That's kind of where leaders fail. I mean, you know, they'll, in, in my opinion, in my opinion, when, when I say fail, I think they, when you fail with your followers, when you fail with your team, you, I think you failed. You might say, oh, we did this for the organization or we got this much profit today because I was on top of everybody. But if, if everybody hates working for you, if no one wants to be a part of the organization, if everyone just, you know, that you talk about, here's a perfect example. You talk about, you know, Jeff Bezos, mm-hmm. right? Amazon.com. What a great leader, they say. What a great visionary. And and in all honesty, how do you you know it's hard to argue with, you know, he's the richest person on the planet right now and Amazon has taken the world by storm and nobody mm. buys in shopping centers, but nobody likes working there. <laughs> yeah. I don't work there, but I, I've heard I've heard stories. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you read you read the stories that come out of what a disaster it is, and you know it's like a sweatshop, and you don't get a good chance to go to the bathroom, and <laughs> there, you know, it's like if everybody's running away from the the culture and running away from the organization, have you really been successful? I mean, granted, yeah, your stock's up there, and you're billions and billions of dollars. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I don't know, you know. I guess you can balance that out, but it, it, to me, if if your uh, if your followers don't want to follow you, it says that you're not much of a leader. And so, to me, the character, the integrity, that all goes to leadership. I, I interviewed another gentleman who wrote a book called Lead Lead from the Heart. His name was Mark Crowley, and he talks about a heart based leadership and and not heart in the soft sense, yeah. but that we've got to be concerned with people. Mm. Um, so I, I think it, the best thing that you can do to improve your leadership is to improve your communication skills. Uh, if you can communicate publicly so there's three aspects that I would say. Number one, you've got to learn how to communicate with yourself. Okay, that's intrapersonal communication. Mm-hmm. That's what are the messages you're giving to yourself? What are the thoughts that you're speaking to yourself? What's going on in the background of your mind that you're not aware of and correcting that? So you've got to have good intrapersonal communication. You've got to be able to think right. Number two, you've got to have good interpersonal communication skills. That means how you deal with people how you talk to people, you know, how you respect other people, how you listen to them and, and, and value them and make them important. And then the third aspect is your public communication, your mass communication. How do you 
how do you inspire others? How do you share vision for your organization? How do you get up in front and motivate people and cast a vision of the future that people want to be a part of? So uh, if you can if you can improve those three communications by 1%, right, the 1% better podcast, I think you would 50% jump your leadership. You know, a 1% jump in each of those doesn't equal 3%. It equals about a 50% jump in your leadership ability. So mm. that, that's important. Yeah, three really good points there. I know we're probably going way over what we expected, but that's all good. Good conversation. The one thing that comes up for me is leadership. All all of that is extremely important. But if you haven't got an authentic leader, that that right. that you can you can see when somebody's been authentic and when it's not. You, I would hope you you probably can. I don't know if everybody can, but um, how does a leader become authentic, or or how can they work on that? Can they? I, yeah, the, the authenticity, I think, is just an outgrowth of who you are as a person. Mm. So, and and usually p- authenticity uh, shows itself in how you treat other people. Mm. You know, people will say you're non-authentic. Uh, what do we say when we find, when we look at someone and go, they don't, they're not authentic? It's usually because they dismissed us. They didn't value us as a person, right? They looked at us, they said a couple of words, and then they turned away and we go, that's not, they're not real genuine, you know? So the, the key to authenticity, in my opinion, is how you treat each and every person that you encounter throughout the day. Do you, do you treat them as a person? Um, so one of the philosophers, uh, he was a phenomenological philosopher. His name was Martin Buber. And his big deal was these two primary words by which we refer to other individuals and things in our life. And there's the idea of the I, it, in which we are the I and everything else around us is an it or an object. And then there is the I and thou, where I am a person and you are an authentic thou, another person. And we... We easily adopt into this I it mode of thinking where I'm I'm the I'm the center of the universe, everything revolves around me, and you're just an object that's kind of like revolving in my universe. Um, and if we treat people as it's as objects in that mode of thinking, I it, uh, if we treat people that way, we come off as inauthentic, we come off as not real genuine. But when we treat people as authentic vows. And it's really about how I treat you, Rob. Are you a real person? You know, do you have things that are important to you that are that I can, you know, empathize with and think about and talk to you about? If I treat you that way as an authentic person, then I come off as authentic. And so really it's about how you encounter people in your life and Everybody knows a fake leader when they come, that person comes in the room, they shake their hand and they're on to the next hand. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But some people have the uncanny ability to in five minutes and, you know, they, they would say you, you would say this about the great leaders. Mm-hmm. They would look you in the face and they would make you feel like you're the you're the most important person in their universe at that time. Mm-hmm. And it's not a technique. It's not a trick. Mm-hmm. Because we can detect, you know, as human beings, we can detect when someone's just doing that as yeah. a as a technique. But when someone really is interested in us and and they come off as authentic, and I think that's about how how we relate to other people. Are we are we in that I thou mode where we consider other people as authentic individuals with value that are important, that have a life, that has something to share, or are they just objects? floating around in our universe and we treat them that way. And so how can a leader be authentic? Um, I think it's in how you treat other people around you. Do you treat them as authentic? Do you consider them as authentic vows or are they just objects that are doing things in your universe? You know, and if, and if, and if they are objects, you're going to be inauthentic because people are going to sense that you just treat me as an object. I'm an it to you. I'm not an actual person. So you know that that to me would be okay. if you want to be authentic it really is how you care about people and how you treat them uh so there's a 
Um, there's, I don't know if you've ever read C.S. Lewis or heard of C.S. Lewis. I've heard, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, uh, C.S. Lewis believed that, uh, you know, his, his beliefs were Orthodox Christianity, and he believed uh, in, in Christianity, you believe that the only thing that is eternal, that lasts beyond life, is the human soul. And so what C.S. Lewis said was, uh, the glory of a human being is that no matter who they are, their soul will last for eternity. And there's a deep value in, in, in thinking of people that way. Uh, we don't like to think of people that way, but if we, would, if we thought of people as that incredibly valuable— in the same way that he did that, you know, to say that, look, look, everything around us, if you if you want to go down that road, everything around us, our organizations, our businesses, whatever it may be, it's all going to go away. But this this person is so valuable. They're going to last forever. If we could put that kind of value on people, mm. it would help us to treat them the way that they should be treated. And and I think that's kind of the sense that you get from Buber when when he talks Martin Buber, when he talks about treating people as an authentic vow, that there's a person, that there's a weight, there's a value, there's a, there's, there's a deep-seated importance in that person's personhood, in their humanity. If you treat people that way, you'll, come, you'll be authentic, no question about it. Mm. Yeah, lots of good stuff there, Jeff. Uh, I think the way we're conditioned, for the most part, cause it gives us a gets us off to a bad start in lots of ways doesn't it really that we're for the most part the masses are conditioned in, in one way of thinking and people start breaking out bit by bit i suppose and some of the people you've mentioned there obviously are those that are, are able to take a step back and think about things a little bit differently and feel maybe feel a little bit differently about things as well um you've given me a lot of uh books to add to the list and and references you've obviously through through your through your studies through doing the phd i guess you've read so broadly and deeply about so many topics it must have been a, a very fascinating journey and obviously as a lifelong learner you're, you're constantly doing that um i think there's been so much good stuff jeff there i'm conscious of, of time i don't want to drag it out too long um i will say we touched on values, leadership, success, thinking, you know, meditation. I, I know you're you're quite a religious person as well. How, how does meditation and and religion, or like I've often asked other folks about meditation versus prayer. How do you see those two? Kind of are they the same, or is there much difference? Do you think in them? Yeah, I think of meditation as really a focusing of your thoughts. Um. And, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a big believer in meditation uh, in the sense that uh, it allows you to focus your thoughts on something other than yourself. One of the things about humanity, I think, is that we're selfish. <laughs> you know, and in fact, I've learned a lot of lessons from reading the Brothers Karamazov, so I would highly recommend it. But one of the things that I've learned and, you know, I kind of was reading through it and I came up with this idea, you know, and I'm sure someone else has thought of it. But everything, you know, in our human life is really about power. How can we get power? Uh, how can we maintain power? We have this in our personal relationships, you know, that we try to. And, and really, this is what rhetoric is. Rhetoric is employing speech to persuade people to do things that we want them to do, right? It's really a power play, if you want to think of it that way, that we, that we say things, that we talk in a certain way. And Aristotle said, you know, rhetoric is, you know, employing the best available means of persuasion for whatever it is that you may be trying to do, you know. So, uh, but, but persuasion is really boiling down to power. It's about how we get people to do how we how we re-image or reimagine or rewrite the world in our own image and rewrite other people in our own image and we're all we're all selfish so for me meditation and prayer is an opportunity to take the eyes off of myself and put them on something that has 
way more importance, um, you know, that, ha- that is, a, is of a higher level of value. And I think that's a big deal. You know, for me, you know, we live in this world where we've got to, to a certain extent, promote ourselves and we've got to do things. And, you know, um, there's someone who said, you know, pretty much, I just want to do my work and think about other people more. And, you know, so, so meditation is, is a way to kind of step outside of this, this cat and mouse game, this power play game that we have to play while we're living in this world. And it's a way to really focus my thoughts on something that is of greater value and of higher importance to me than what's going on. And I know everybody doesn't, maybe doesn't agree with that. Or, you know, maybe people will say, the only thing that matters is what's going on in this world. I, I don't necessarily agree with that, you know, but but that's fine. So you you can meditate and you can do the same thing for what's going on here. But to step outside, to, to, to kind of stop the rat race for a little bit, to focus on something that's more important, uh, I think everybody needs that, uh, regardless of your religious perspective. So, you know, meditation and prayer is important. And, um, you know, th- 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 there's another line in the brothers Karamazov and I apologize. I'm just using that book all the time, but I'm like reading through it as we speak. Who, who's but, the actual author again of that? Did you say it was Dostoevsky? Uh, Dostoevsky. Yeah. 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 Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, but in there he says, you know, it's easy to be uh, charitable to humanity <laughs> in general. We all want to be charitable to humanity in general, but it's a lot more difficult to be charitable to the human being that you have to live with every day, mm. <laughs> you know, to the other individual people in your life that get on your nerves every day. You know, it's one thing to say, I want to help humanity. I want to help people. It's another thing to say, you know, I have to put up with this person that I have to live with at work every day. You know, it's not so easy to do it. Uh, particularly it's easy to do it in general. Mm. And so meditation Prayer, uh, spirituality to me is about dealing with the things that are more difficult uh, and, and, and in fact, getting to the reality of what life is all about. You know, how do we treat the people around us? How do we live in, in good relationship with other people? Uh, that, that I think is, is of, imp- of in great import, you know, and, and you, you see, you mentioned that how much hate is out there in our world today. How do we combat that? You know, how do we how do we stop that? I mean, it's destroying it's destroying our culture. It's destroying our society. It's destroying our civilization. And the way that we do that, in my opinion, is we talk with individuals. We enter into dialogues. You know, it's a communication event, if you will. Mm-hmm. And it's more about me listening to you and hearing what you have to say and what you'd have to think rather than me telling you what I have to think. You know, we, everybody wants to talk about themselves. Uh, no one wants to really listen to someone else. And so that's kind of an upside down, you know, a, a backwards perspective, I think, you know, but that, that, that to me is kind of like an important and a good way to live. Yeah, no, I've definitely, one of the things I've taken the most out of coaching journey going through all that is is the importance of listening and and how uh you know how important it is for somebody to be heard and that can it's an element of communication and it can make you know such a big difference you know when you coach somebody for the first time they talk maybe for 90 percent of the the session and they leave feeling so much better even though you've done very little uh, right you know the hard work starts after that but um mm-hmm. but it's good to give somebody that space to just listen so so brilliant look i'm gonna i'm gonna wrap it there jeff um as always as us podcasters do at the end of a show give a give yourself a shout out how people can get in touch and how they can listen to your your show because you've had some amazing guests over over the season so far so it'd be uh be great for them to check it out yes sure and uh, appreciate that it's mindforlife.org it's the mind for life podcast you can find it on itunes if you search on google skills for success uh you'll see my article the 52 essential skills for success in life and business 
and um, you can always download. There's a um, there's a skills assessment that you can download and kind of like that's a it's really a practice in your own self awareness of kind of like asking yourself where do I stand in these 52 skills and give you an idea and you can pass that on to someone else so print out as many copies as you want and uh, so that you could connect with me through that and then that will be wonderful brilliant yeah brilliant so this is out so hopefully somebody's listening to it right now but if uh, if not if they listen to the on demand piece or the, the episode that'll go up on iTunes over the next few hours that's when I suppose most people will get it it'll download for those that have subscribed so yeah it's uh Thanks for being my first live guest on on the 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 one percent better feel life. Very honored to be honest with you, the <laughs> first live guest. Yeah, yeah. And I appreciate you inviting me on the program. It's been wonderful. Yeah. No, thanks so much. I will let you get back to your day, and I'll do a little wrap up of of uh, what's coming for the rest of the week on on this uh, expedition of podcasting that I'm doing. Jeff, it was great to chat. Hopefully, we'll stay in touch and. Um, Please do. Yeah, we definitely will will we'll be in touch on, on Twitter. Thanks again. Thank you. Take care. Okay, take care. Good luck. All right, so let me just wrap up the show and I'll say goodbye to Jeff. And uh, hopefully, folks, that you're still listening and you enjoyed that conversation. Uh, just a few quick ones. The 864 podcast, which I was talking about, uh, mentioned a couple of times, there's a new episode out in the morning with Niall Kelly. Niall Kelly is the MD of a company called Try the Trend, an Irish-based company, and we talk about his journey so far in that, um, some good insights from him being an entrepreneur, some learning so far, so certainly worth checking out. What else? The show, the podcast is now not only on iTunes and Google podcast but it's also on spotify which is a new addition to that uh, platform and i'm happy to say that's there and that will be all new episodes will go up there i'm aiming to release a one percent better podcast on friday the the once a week show this this new live episode will probably happen maybe on tuesdays mondays whenever but um hopefully it'll go down well but there's an episode out on Friday with a lady I interviewed a while back and had been waiting to put the show out. Her name is Paula Toots, but her nickname is Paz. And uh, she's a lady that has a large following on social media. She's had a very, very career um, from journalism to executive producing to working in human rights and uh, social media in the latter stages of her career. And uh, she's still only around 40. So lots of insights from her um, so that'll go out on Friday and I actually have three, that episode and two others recorded and up on the Patreon site. If you're interested in checking them out, you can subscribe to the Patreon site there and listen to the next couple of episodes that will come out over the next few weeks. It just gives you that early insight, early listen, if that's something you might be interested in um the website robofthegreen.ie for those of you listening that mightn't have listened to a show before that's where everything is really the blogs uh videos around one minute monday and the podcasts and there's a page there called the book page where i put in recommended books from previous episodes from guests um so that's growing all the time and if i listen back to this episode with jeff there's probably going to be another five or six ones there uh, maybe I'll just post them up. But yeah, Jeff is an interesting guy. I hope you enjoyed that. Lots of interesting quotes and learnings from his own journey. Um, follow the Facebook page. Join the group there. Um, 1% Better Community trying to get folks to communicate and share their own ideas and learnings and lessons there. Uh, that would be good. And there's the newsletter, all of that stuff. I don't do a full intro on the 1% Better show on a Friday anymore. This will happen more so on these live shows. I think it's easier for me, easier for, for uh, definitely for me, maybe not for you. I don't know. You can listen to this or get more straight into the episodes. Um, so I'm going to close out, follow on Spreaker. So you hear these live shows when they're streamed out and you'll get notified when they go out. We put um a tweet out and a Facebook update as well. Follow on Instagram. It's on, uh, yeah, Rob of the Green there as well. 
all of that sort of good stuff so i'm gonna play it out i'm gonna try and play some underlying music here because i'm not really uh i don't have any production so um so yeah look hopefully you enjoyed the episode with jeff it was longer uh, but full of useful information i believe and i will leave it there so hopefully you have a good night or a good rest of week and you enjoyed this live one percent better show and know that it's going to get better over time as well so thanks again and take care